Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Story Monsters magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries, and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the intrepid Eddie Guevara. Tonight's special guest is a legend in the mail-order novelties world, former member of the Johnson Smith Company and key designer behind many of the items and catalogs that you know and love, Craig Tarbeck. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Great to be here. Well, it's about time we got you on, Craig. We had some technical difficulties the last few days. Eddie's calling it uh, the Craig's curse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll alleviate that curse. Let's get it on. All right. All right. So, how, so what's on everyone's mind tonight? What's new? Well, I uh, I wanted to have Craig here because obviously, as the story goes with Craig, I I've been hunting him down for years, and finally, from 1985 when I first sent him a uh, wine bottle as a gift. 10 years later, maybe 15 years later, I drove 359 miles to have lunch with the guy. He was a legend. I grew up <laughs> buying his products. And he's also the, he, he coined the phrase, things you never knew existed uh, from the Johnson Smith catalog that later on it was known to, to be part of, uh, you know, a very new Johnson Smith catalog. They actually named the catalog, things you never knew existed. Uh, other than that, Eddie, Eddie, don't forget the second part of that name. Things you never knew existed and other items you can't possibly live without. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So uh, go ahead, Joe. Take it over. All right, Craig. Uh, well, we know you, you work for the Johnson Smith Company. So you want to give us a little background of, you know, how you got started there and, and you know, what you did during your time at the company for, for all the people out there that, that – you know, maybe are not familiar with you or with the company. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, uh, Johnson Smith company, uh, started in, uh, 1914, uh, in America, actually Alfred Johnson Smith, the, uh, originator of the company, just one man, Alfred Johnson Smith, uh, was an Australian, and uh, he had started mail order uh, rubber stamps in Australia and then branched out into some merchandise there. But he realized that Australia in uh, 1914 was a very small market. So he decided <laughs> to come to America and uh, to Chicago. Why Chicago? Because that was the home of uh, Montgomery Wards and Sears and Roebuck, the two biggest mail order companies in uh, America. Uh, Mr. Smith knew that he could not really compete against those companies because they sold everything that you really needed. Uh, so he decided to sell stuff that maybe you didn't need. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, in 1914, um, he, uh, he progressed very well um, into the uh, 20s, uh, but during the Depression, he actually went bankrupt. Uh, he had printed a six-catalog 
which uh, he sold for three cents, but it didn't sell because of the depression and uh, he couldn't pay the printer and had to go bankrupt. Um, but what he did was he told the printer, I will, um, I will pay you. Uh, give me a chance uh, to reorganize. And they said, okay, um, but you need, to, you need to come to Racine, Wisconsin, where they were, the printer. Uh, and so he moved the company to Racine, Wisconsin. And uh, as the Depression uh, uh, came, wore down, um, Johnson Smith began to make some money. Uh, and he paid off the printer and all of his debtors, uh, uh, which he wasn't really required to do in, in, in a bankruptcy, but he paid every penny back uh, to uh, uh, the printer and his, his vendors for the products that he had bought. Um, and in the uh, <clears throat> late 30s, Johnson Smith began to take off. Um, one of the things that um, helped him uh, helped the Johnson Smith company uh, was th the arrival of comic books and uh, comic books were preceded by the 10 cent pulp novels, which was, you know, printed on rather pulpy paper and Johnson Smith had been advertising in it, but in those, but um, comic books came along and uh, 1938, the very first comic book ever published was an Action Comics Superman uh, title. And Johnson Smith had uh, two full-page ads in that comic book. Um, by the way, if you could get a copy of that, it's that particular first comic, it's worth millions. Uh, but... The uh, comic book advertising uh, was a lifeline for Johnson Smith Company for a long time. Uh, you know, at one time in the 40s, 50s, and even into the, into the 60s, uh, the comic book publishers distributed over 100 million comic books a month. And so there was a very large uh, advertising possibility for Johnson Smith and others. And uh, Johnson Smith uh, was in uh, comic books all the time in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Alfred Johnson Smith, however, died in 1948, and his two sons took over the company and uh, built it up uh, by uh, with, with a strong catalog and the comic book advertising and advertising also in Boys Life magazine at the time. Um, and uh, at one point, uh, they actually employed over 300 people. Uh, <clears throat> but come the um, late 60s, uh, sort of uh, towards 1970, um, one of the brothers retired, and the other one, Paul Smith, uh, who was really the brains behind the advertising and the catalog uh, decided that he too wanted to retire. Um, he had a manager of the company that um, uh, it was, wasn't doing very much business at that time. And it, he really kind of let it go because he didn't need to work that hard anymore. He had plenty of money in the bank so he could retire. 
um, and the company was kind of small. Uh, about that time, 1970, I was teaching school. Um, and I thought, gee, what can I do on a part-time basis? And in the summertime, uh, teachers needed to find something to do in the summertime. Uh, I thought, well, I'll start my own mail order company. And uh, so I began to research mail order, came across the, a trade journal for that that industry, and um, sent off a uh, for a subscription to it. And one Saturday morning, um, I went. Uh, I was, this was in Detroit. Now we had uh, he had uh, the, the Smiths had moved from Racine, Wisconsin, to Detroit. Uh, basically in the forties after they got out of bankruptcy because Mr. Smith, Alfred Johnson Smith was still a uh, citizen of the uh, United Kingdom having come from Australia. And he thought if he was close to Canada that he could uh, bring some goods in from Canada uh, into Detroit, which are right next door to each other. Um, So I'm in Detroit as a school teacher and, and uh, one Saturday morning, uh, I went downtown Detroit to file my business, to op- uh, to name my business, to uh, get a license. And for three dollars, I um, got a a, a business uh, uh, license for Tarbeck. Um, on the way home, I stopped uh, and ordered because the books that I had read told me to get letterhead and envelopes, and I stopped at a printer and ordered my letterhead Tarbeck products <coughs> and gave the printer a $10 uh, down payment and said, I'll pick it up when uh, next week uh, and start my business. I had no idea what I was going to sell. I <laughs> uh, got home from that, got home from that printer uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, there was the first edition of the trade journal to which I, had um, uh, a subscription and uh, Saturday night uh, having as usual, no date. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I looked at the, um, the uh, classified ads and there in, in, in the um, classified ads was a, uh, uh, an ad that somebody that wanted um, a, uh, experienced copywriter uh, and marketer to come on board. Now, I didn't know who it was. I didn't even know where they were because I had to reply to a post office box in St. Louis. So I wrote a letter and uh, decided to sell myself as a mail order product in this letter, money back guarantee type stuff, Um, not knowing to whom I was writing, frankly. And uh, I sent off that letter, and 10 days later, uh, Johnson Smith uh, called me. Uh, They were, as it turned out, in Detroit, very close to where I lived. And uh, they liked my letter, Um, and they liked the fact that I had been a school teacher because a lot of our customers, a lot of Johnson Smith customers were young folks. Uh, And they hired me in 1970. So... uh, that's how I got there. Uh, and uh, at, at the time, um, the catalog was all black and white. 
Um, let's see. I guess Eddie, you'd have been about what ten years old then. Uh, uh, uh actually, I was five. Uh, six, six. Five, okay. Six, yes. Six, all right. Yeah, so it was a couple years before. I don't know, you might have, by the time you saw the catalog, it might have had, actually had a few color pages in it, which I brought to it. Uh, and um, uh, so the rest is history. And I worked there for the next 38 years. Now, now, when you got when you got hired on in 1970, did you start off full-time or did you start off, you know, as a part-time gig and, you know, eventually? Well, well yeah, good question. Actually, what happened was um, that uh, letter that I sent uh, to answer the ad was uh, kind of late in the year of 69. And uh, I interviewed with them in January or February of 70 and uh, they wanted to hire me right away uh, because Paul Smith uh, really wanted to bow out and he wanted somebody else to do the catalog and the ads and I said well I can't really leave my job as a teacher because you know I'm committed to these kids for the school year right so I can I can come uh, I can come in June full-time uh, they so they asked me to start uh, in March uh, ha- a part time. So I would go in sometimes after school or on a weekend and start learning the ropes of the uh, mail order novelty business. So, so what were some of the uh, the main products that you started to work on while you were there? I, I if I remember <coughs> right from us talking, you were involved with the uh, the seven foot ghost and a few other. Um, you know, products that, that, that were, got pretty famous. Yeah. Well, of course, most of the stuff was already there. Joe, um, you know, you know, Mike, the main thing I had to do was they, I don't think they actually printed and mailed a catalog for, uh, over a year. And so my, my first job was to, uh, re, uh, redo the catalog, uh, put items in that, that, that we found or take items out that were no longer available or uh, weren't selling or what have you. So I spent the f- first uh, six months, basically, until Thanksgiving, uh, uh, redoing the catalog and getting it uh, on the printing press and mailed out. Um, the, the best season uh, in those days for mail order was uh, winter. You wanted to you wanted to be in the mail and at least for in January, uh, and, and the reason is is because people got money for Christmas presents, and we <laughs> sent the catalog in on January and hoped that they would spend their Christmas <laughs> Christmas money with our catalog. I'm right, pretty, Eddie? I'm right, pretty, Eddie. <laughs> when you're saying right. uh, when you're saying. Uh, people the people were in a pretty young age group that's for sure um you know craig one of the uh things that happened around the 19 early 1970s is that the first item of course that i've always told people that i ever sent away for was for the seven foot ghost um when i Mm -hmm. got married uh in 1984 uh, you know, the time between, you know, the 1980, 1984, I got out of college. I, I 
I had gotten out of uh, NYU and stuff. And I had become a photographer, but you know what? I did nothing with the photography business. So I said, you know, I, I would love to start a mail order business. And that's when I started with the books and stuff. And one of the first things that I did, which was so funny, is I wanted to reproduce the ghost that was sold in the 70s. Because I, I wanted to turn over from the uh, mail order selling books in, in the mail to, um, you know, novelties and stuff like the, the ones from the time of the uh, comic books. So back in the day, and he was was Johnson, was Johnson Smith still selling the Ghost in the mid '80s when you decided to do that? They, they Johnson Smith was selling the Ghost, uh, Craig, uh, from like 1970, early like late '69 was like the first time they started it. Which, if we remember, uh -huh. we discussed that. I think they they actually, um, I the the person that started selling the Ghost was in 1966. And it was John Cook Productions, I think, of Bob's, and they, it was in the Boy's Life magazine. Then in 1969, mm, mm -hmm. 70, Johnson Smith and the Melton Company kind of started selling it at the same time. Then Honor House followed, and then, of course, Jay Marr, um, you know, the Fun Factory, which later I got to own. And the whole thing was, though, in, that, in the 1980s, this is the funny part about it, I got a hold of somehow I called Johnson Smith. I forgot who I spoke with. I think it was Dominic. And uh, there was, before I got, the second time I called back, I spoke with a lady who got me in contact with Craig. And, and Craig was kind of like a little too busy, you know, a little young kid calling Craig. Craig wasn't going to really, you know, he was a businessman, had really little time to talk to me, but the day I got you on the phone, Craig, which I still have that original fax, um, I asked you about the ghost. And, and you said to me, well, you know what? We sold a lot of them. You said we sold hundreds of them, but some people complained about the way it was made. And you said, but hold on. So you put Dominic on the phone and Dominic broke down all the parts where I could get them. If you recall that. Well, that has to be Eddie. That would have, you know, we we moved to Florida from Detroit in. Uh, that was in 1984, 85. No, no. Well, the, what happened was it had to be 86 or later, Eddie, because we moved to Florida in 86. Okay, you're right. You're right. Because I, I, I started with 1984. You're right about that. So yeah. you, you had mm -hmm. just moved to Florida because I remember you telling me. We just right. came down to Florida and you still had to go back for a reason and move down. So I, I think right. you, were, you, I, I, you were this. So then it was, you're right. It was 1986, uh, give or mm -hmm. take. Um, so what happened was, is that somehow you felt, I mean, you started talking to me. Uh, I said to you how I like to sell the ghost and everything. And you went inside. I, you looked somewhere and you found in a folder the original instructions for the ghost, and which we weren't. Which I don't think we were selling at that time. No, at that eighty six. No, you weren't selling the ghost. Last time Johnson Smith sold it, I believe, was nineteen eighty one. Um, right. So what happened was, is you sent me a, a a fax of the front of the instructions, and then um, I thought you were going to send me the second part. And what I did is I, I said, wow, he didn't send it to me. I got all excited. I wanted to see the back part of it. So I called you the next day. And it was kind of funny, though, because you must have thought for a second to yourself and said, hey, did I give this guy too much information? Maybe, you know, my, my, you know, my company is going to get in. So you said to me, uh, Eddie, 
I really don't want Johnson Smith to, you know, getting in, mad at me for whatever reason. And you said, I think what you have is okay. But I'm, I'm saying to myself at the time, this guy has no idea how bad I won the other part. So <laughs> as, as the story goes, I, um, I got, I still have that original fa fax. So the actual date on it that we are speaking of would be on that fax, which I need to uh -huh. just look up. And it's kind of fading out a little. But yes, I still have that original fax and letter that you faxed to me. Um, what happened about a week or two later, I sent you a bottle of wine, uh, which I believe I called you back um, two weeks later. And you say, yeah, I got it. Uh, paid very little attention to me, you know, uh, just the fact that I, I was happy to have met whatever. So what I think really was that I made it important because I kept contacting you. And what made the contact between me and you great was when I joined forces in 1989 with Lou Wise. And you had told me the story that Lou Wise had tried to hire you and bring you over to New Jersey for the fun factory. Mm -hmm. You kind of took a more, you looked at me in a more serious way. And then uh, I guess when I drove that 359 miles to, to to basically have lunch with you and explain to you how much of a legend you were to me, uh, that's <laughs> when we became really good friends. And I, I am so glad for that day. Um, so basically, I do treasure all that stuff. And I do have that original letter you sent me and all the contacts, which at that time, if I'm correct, the, the balloon was purchased from the National Latex Company. The, yeah. the control line was Mason Tackle, who had sold right. it. And the sheets, which unfortunately at the time were not being sold anymore by the company who had them, that you had given me the connection for. So what happened with that situation was that I had improvised. And at the time, I was forced to buy half a ton <laughs> of plastic in order to be able to reproduce the gold. So since I couldn't really... Not that I couldn't afford it at the time. It was like $700 for half a ton. I didn't have the space where to put that. So what I did was is I, I found um, some pallet covers that were sold by, I think it was called Fidelity Office Product, which was a good. <laughs> and the, it, was, it happened to be 60 by 60 inches square, not the exact 84 inches that the original sheet was. But uh -huh. it was good enough to start selling the ghost. And I bought a roll for like $59 that had, I guess, 300 sheets per thing. And let me tell you, I went through like two rolls. And my early ghost was very barbaric. Uh, I mean, doing the pay stuff, you know, you're talking back in the early 80s. Uh, no computers. In fact, <clears throat> it was all like, you know, you cut and paste. And then you took it and you did it. <laughs> very, very you tough. Cut, you, cut up the, you cut up the plastic by hand, Eddie? Uh, yes, I did. Um, uh -huh. It was kind of a, it was crazy because it took me a long time, but I, I said to myself, I have to sell this product. And then the greatest joy was when, um, at the time I had Lou Weiss, you know, of course Lou Weiss was with me and then Lou Weiss and you started one day, had a, a conversation and uh, together I was, you know, a little kid among two of the legendary mail order guys that were still around and had basically sold all the comic book stuff we grew up in, you know, <laughs> but uh -huh. the thing that was kind of funny though, is that both you and Lou had done it for business. You were not a collector. You were just selling regular products. What right. made me stand out from you guys was the fact that you guys sold the products, but I'm the one that fell in love with the products and kept them.
So my right. history became, yeah. you know, with the products, I became an expert on the products, asking you people that information. But I had the love for it. And I stayed with those products for the next, you know, to the present time, which I have a master collection like no other. And, right. I must admit, Eddie, I, I really wasn't. Um... Craig? When I was a kid, I was not a customer and had never Johnson Smith, although I did buy uh, comic books. I never, never sent away for anything from Johnson Smith when I was a kid. Um, Johnson Smith, uh, the thing that really, the one that stood out for me the most is I asked you that and you didn't remember. Um, and I wanted to get that information from you because in <laughs> 1970, the seven foot Frankenstein and, and seven foot skeleton were first advertised in the Johnson Smith catalog. Mm -hmm. The one that had the 60th anniversary issue on it. That was the four. Right. That was 1974. You, I thought it was 1970. No, because uh, 1914 is when Johnson Smith started in America. Uh, and so seven, the 60th anniversary would have been 74. Okay, 74. So the one that has, it's it's the cover that has the ghost in the front. Right. It has the original, you know, how do you remember the ghost, um, you know, was really tall and stuff. And that's when you told me that the horror record that sold by Johnson Smith, the famous horror record that goes for over $100 whenever it shows up on eBay, you're the guy yeah. who does the screaming on that. <laughs> that's right. I did that. I did that in a, in a uh, audio um, place, a recording studio. And uh, when I did that scream, the guy in the in the control booth, uh, I almost blew his ears out. <laughs> <laughs> and and that and that was really interesting because believe it or not, there remember that there were two versions of the record. I think yeah. one was was stopped. Uh, I forgot because it had something in it that. Well, I I have six copies of it. I have both versions, and and mm -hmm. two of those copies are actually with the ghost embedded in a display case that I paid for and they put it in there. Um, right. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, you know, Eddie, you were, um, you, you were one, obviously one of our best customers, but there are many customers who uh, also became famous. Uh, for instance, Johnny Carson bought his first magic trick from Johnson Smith company. And he, he said many times, uh, on his show that the, the because of Johnson Smith and magic, that's why he got in the show business. Um, he, he's one of many people like that. Um, another famous customer of ours was um, Steve Wozniak. You know who that is? He is the uh, co-founder of Apple computer along with Steve jobs. He was a customer of ours. Uh, and, and, uh, another uh, way back in the twenties, Henry Ford, the second, which, who was the grandson of Henry Ford. Uh, can you imagine? I don't think he, that uh, Henry Ford, the second, um, had to sell papers in order to get money to yeah, really. buy stuff from Johnson Smith, but, but he was a big customer when he was a kid, <clears throat> went on yeah. to become, went on to become the president of the company, the uh, Ford Motor Company. The, the thing that's interesting about it with the mail order industry, when the mail order industry, the novelty business really took off, 
was probably in late 1968. Um, when Honor House came on the scene, they they pulled <coughs> a lot of customers away. And in fact, like I was saying to you, the origination of the seven foot Frankenstein and Boney the skeleton was Johnson Smith. Honor House swiped at it. Remember, we had that conversation one time from you guys. Yeah, they, you guys never did nothing to them. They swiped it and just added an order form in the bottom, a coupon that looked like a coffin, kind of. Well, I probably wrote him a letter and told him to stop it. <laughs> uh, Craig, Craig, uh, if that letter was written, he never acknowledged it because that ad ran for the next probably 10 years. And yeah, well, I, I think they probably told him they had to stop using my copy. You know? No, they, they kept the same copy from the Johnson Smith. And you oh, can okay. tell that if... If you look at the catalog, I think I sent you a copy of that catalog, the 1974 year tour. We we're talking the 60th anniversary. Uh-huh. They spelled the word, whoever did the spelling, spelled the word awful, A W E F U L. And it huh. stayed with that same mistake throughout the honor house, through the present. That that was never corrected. Um, that mistake in the, in the print where it says, just imagine your friends, if they walk into your room and see, you know, the Frankenstein bit, whatever. And um, but the whole thing is that Johnson Smith had sold a lot of stuff and Johnson Smith, especially if you remember when you told me about the, you know, the, you know, Johnson Smith sold everything from the point of products. The thing with Johnson right. Smith, is they had so much that I think Honor House pulled away a lot of their customers because Honor House had the biggest blow. What's the best way to say the biggest puffery in advertising between the two companies? They uh-huh. were able to grab kids. In fact, Honor House started in 1947. And as they progressed, they had earlier in their history, they had catalogs. And their catalogs were like 40, 50 pages. And what happened was that they found that the catalog was not making as much money as when they started doing 24 by 22 inch flyers printed on both sides. And yeah. I had directly that from Mr. Wagman, who explained that to me in 1987, 88, whenever. I first saw. I first met him. I went to see him in 1985 when I was looking to see who would let me use the the ad copy so I can start my own mail order business. And when I got there, he asked his secretary for me to write a letter to meet him. And I'm like, I'm out here. Can he just see me? me? No, he made me go home, and he made me <laughs> write him the letter. And the yeah. four times that I met with him, literally, I had to write a letter each time. And it was kind of crazy though because. I realized how much Honor House had. And one of the things that Honor House did that really generated a lot of money was when they started selling the seven-foot submarine. They they started in the 1950s with the, the rocket ship or late uh-huh. 60s. And then the rocket ship went to the tank. And the tank ran for a year or two. But when they hit the sub, man, the sub became so popular that there's two episodes on television today that actually used a storyline from the submarine. One was the, uh, uh, what is the CSI New York season eight, I think episode four. Uh, there's a story behind the submarine there where supposedly this kid, guy uh, wanted to kill a magic shop owner. And the reason he wanted to kill is because when he was young, he bought the submarine and his girlfriend and him uh, went out to the thing and she drowned or something. So he wanted to get even, which is funny, but- <laughs> The funny thing behind it, and also SpongeBob SquarePants, 
the funny thing behind both those cart the cartoon and the actual CSI is that they used an actual ad from Fun Factory. And I'm like, whoa, that's that's my thing. You know, I shouldn't because you know I did obtain all the copyright for that. And I'm like, <coughs> you know, I should actually call them up on this because you know they just put it, but of course, you know, I, I didn't do that. But the thing I'm saying though is is that that's how popular it became. So Honor House their major majority of the business was the you know the seven the uh the seven foot monsters and the submarine right. the ghost was a good seller but johnson smith outpulled them 10 to 1 on the ghost because they actually you know it was more predominant like if you looked at a johnson smith ad right next to the coupon was the 95 cents ghost and and it looked better you know um, yeah. i was in love with the with the honor house ad because i think it left more to my imagination and uh-huh. then you had the, the Melton Company come on board and, and forget it. That guy, man, he grilled the pages with the ghost and the bat and the seven-foot robot plants I never ordered that I'm still in search for uh, to this day that we spoke about that. But the whole thing is that having said that, it was amazing the amount of, of people that must have ordered that. And that also amazes me that today, after 38 years of looking for this product, there's none left. But then again, it was so flimsy. They were made a balloon. I mean, the first time I, I actually put the monster ghost to use in Honor House, the head blew up in a, about two hours later. So, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's not going to last. And if you remember the submarine. Um, but was, I don't think we ever sold that. No, the uh, that was strictly Honor House. And they did it in Long Island. There was a company in Long Island that they used that used to make um corrugated cardboard displays for trade shows yeah and they made the sub they made the the tank and and they made a few things from them and i actually found that information out a few years ago like 10 11 years ago what company had made it for them because dan goodsell which is a good friend of mine and he's also you know he does a a famous cartoon called mr toast and he's pretty famous with that he actually had bought a binder in some warehouse or some novelty shop and inside the binder, there was this place and there was an actual picture of the honor house tank. And he was able to let me get the picture. And I scanned the, you know, at a 100% resolution on that. Uh, so I, I was able to get the picture of what the actual tank looked like. Um, the whole thing is though, that what, what the whole deal was is when, when I went, and I was telling this the other day that if you remember, you said that Johnson Smith was the first company that ever run an ad in any publication of comic books. And if you remember, we spoke about this, Craig, one time uh, a few years ago, me and you. Fun Factory was the last company that ran an ad, because if you remember, Craig, I had mentioned in one of my last podcasts when Harvey Publications in, in early 1980 started running uh, Harvey Comics again. Uh, Casper and stuff. Johnson Smith ran a full page ad in back of those comics for like a couple of months. Yeah, and they ran it. If you remember that, because obviously I think you must have been in charge of doing that. And, I was. And the price was astronomically great. I call. I remember it was like seven hundred and fifty dollars for like six months, and I was like, "What?" So, a few years after that, maybe three or four years, because I was in the early eighties, whatever. Uh, me and Lou Weiss ran an ad through Bernie Slotnick. If you remember Bernie very well, he was, uh, you know, of course, I'm sure you know Bernie. Um, 
Bernie was that DC comic? Yeah, DC Comics, Bernie Slotnick. Um right. And right. right. And then um his uh his niece is actually the the one in charge of advertising for Archie Publications. And what ha- what right. happened was that I, I went to see Bernie Slotnick with Lou Weiss. At first, when I tried to run an ad, forget about it. They wouldn't even talk to me. It's like, well, you you know, they because they because I'm a I'm a newbie. They don't respect people coming in the industry. Uh, when I called up the guy. They 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 ran the ad on him like in two seconds flat. You know. Yeah. So I was able, if you remember, see, Blue Wise had a, a a guy who used to who actually started the American Circle Corp of the time. Right. And his guy was Bob Levy, and he owned Filer and Levy Advertising in Fifth Avenue, New York. And him and Lou had started the Fun Factory in 1969 or 1970. And Blue Wise did it, obviously, because that's when he tried to hire you, because he did it because he saw how much money Johnson Smith was making. Um, so based on that, what happened was that um, I was able to get an ad in the comic books with Lou. And I made sure that I the ghost appeared there. So that, that's the one thing that in the go and it made it. And of course, it was kind of funny though because uh, Bob Levy used the photograph of the Johnson Smith <laughs> yeah. for that that one. You know, but was that, anyway was when that, that, when that, was that happened, DC, um, was that DC Comics, Eddie? Yes, it was. It was DC Comics. Right. And it appeared in the '93 edition that went on sale. In it's the February issue of DC Comics. In what in, year? In February, January. 1993 and it went on sale um december of that year so it has a, a christmas theme on the cover yeah. any superman uh dc comic from that year has my full page ad inside right. uh, bernie slotnick said to me it's been 10 years or about 10 years since anybody ran a novelty ad in comic books right and that was Johnson Smith. So basically, I was the last person with Lou Wise yeah. that ran in these, you know, any comic book ad. Well, we stopped. We stopped. Remember, we stopped advertising in the comics because they weren't really working, frankly. Uh, and the reason for that was was that kids were instead of buying comics, uh, basically they were the, the, the new um, uh, computer games uh, were so popular. That's where they were spending their time and money, not uh, on comic books. Uh, so we, well, we, 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 we were not having, we didn't have any luck in comics, I, I think, in the mid, but, after the mid-80s. Well, Craig, if you remember, you guys started going into the wrestling magazine when wrestling was becoming very popular. The what magazine? And at wrestling, all the different wrestling magazines. Do you remember that era? Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. Um, Okay, you guys started running full page ads in the wrestling magazines, but but you know what though? <coughs> Here's the catch: a lot of people don't know this. Maybe you recall. A lot of people tell me no, and, and I know it as a fact. In nineteen between nineteen eighty one or nineteen eighty two and nineteen eighty four, there was no such thing anywhere in New York or New Jersey as a comic book store, except. And in fact, comic books used to be sold in five and dime stores, and we'll, they stopped selling them all over. Like so what, I, what I said, at one time, they would do 100 million comics a month. And then uh, in the 80s, it went to basically nothing. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people don't know. And you know what stayed popular? 
the Archie Digest that you would get in supermarkets. Right. And they kept uh, publishing. But here's the thing. When comic books started again, like early 85, I think, that they started going to all the stores around, they they took off, man, with, with, with a passion. They took off where they started, I mean, stores started springing up everywhere. Um, people started collecting comics like crazy. Uh, and the price, and then in 2000, when eBay came out, uh, no longer did you have to, you know, look uh, through Toy Shop Magazine to buy collectibles. All the stuff that I had in my collection, everything just flourished and, and quadrupled in price. Right. I started selling some of that stuff, like a, an original Joy Buzzer today from uh, SS Adams. Um probably does an easy almost a hundred dollars if you get in the original box well, let me ask you this let uh, me ask you this eddie because you're you're up on it and i'm not uh where can you find novelties like we had in the 60s 70s uh anymore i mean where 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 do you where do you find that stuff who sells it House of the Unusual dot com. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The good uh, plug there. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a <laughs> that's a very good plug. You're right, uh, Craig. I I still well, thanks to you, you connected me with quite a few people, such as Morris Costumes, where you introduced me to them. Yeah. And I was able to talk to the owner directly. Loftus Novelties. Uh, Rhode Island novelties is still around. Mm -hmm. uh, Franco America, if you remember, Bob had a heart attack and his, you know, unfortunately yeah. the guy passed away. The Franco's uh, gone. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah, they're gone. Right. Uh, Rhode Island novelties. You have Eddie's Tricks in Georgia. Right. Uh, of course, Morris Costumes still sells all the original stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, SS Adams, which finally they, they got smart and they figured let's license out our products. And let's get rid of making the products in America because they couldn't compete anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, Chris and, and Dave, uh, which Dave, by the way, is going to be in next week's podcast. Uh, they closed down the shop and they, they sold the licensing to, they still own the, the rights to us, but they sold the licensing to, I think, Magic Makers. And Magic Makers is making a lot of those novelties. Now, of course, because of eBay, all the 1970s novelties are still being sold. The x-ray glass. In fact, right now, one of our friends that we've had in, in the last uh, two episodes, <coughs> uh, actually last week's episode, his name is Todd. He's working with Yolanda, you know, uh, Harold's widow. Right. And uh, they're bringing back, and this is going to make you laugh, some of the products that Harold had put they're out. The sea monkeys. Uh, well, yeah, the sea monkeys are repackaged. They're wow. they're now called executive sea monkeys or something. I don't want to say the product now on, on the air because there is a product that you're going to laugh at that they're bringing back, but I don't want to because it's actually on the way and it's not finished yet. I don't want to, you know, uh, divulge information we're not supposed to right now. Yeah. But, you know, it 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 uh it became what it is. Now, it, the truth is that most of the products, from the x-ray glasses, which are still obviously uh, being produced. Um, I'm actually probably the one selling most of the originals. I, I still have in my possession quite a few and just recently found out that one of them is going for over 500 bucks on eBay uh, of the original when it had in the back, instead of TransScience Corporation, it had um, it had uh, Honey Toy Industries. Mm -hmm which it was, you know, when Harold first used it back in the day. Right. Now, 
I got my original x-ray glasses from Johnson Smith. And when you guys sent them out, they were not in the header. They were like in a plastic sleeve uh-huh. with a rubber band around yeah. it. And obviously that, that's the way it was sent. But I have a question uh, with, with everything said and done. The re- not a question. It's more like a statement. I think what happened with Johnson Smith is Johnson Smith ran their ads and they were such a huge company that they sold. And regardless, they didn't really concentrate specific products on our house, not having a large variety of products like they did in the 40s, because in the 40s, they were very com- competitive with Johnson Smith. They only and in fact, most of the orders that you would order from our house wouldn't even have a catalog inside. Yeah. That was a rare treat. So when you got one, you're like, wow, because I ordered like 20 times from Honor House. And I'll got to tell you, I only received two catalogs. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that they, they really didn't because they were selling and the majority of their com- of the company was making money with just the submarine. And I think those are monsters because that was the main. And of course, they sold that eight millimeter projector, which was also a very popular <coughs> uh, thing they sold at the time. Uh, but you know, well, our philosophy was to run a comic book ads and the boys' life ads and uh, send uh, along a nice catalog with a lot more products for people to choose something from. And uh, that, that that's correct. what we that's how we ran our business. Well, one thing I wanted to tell you boys' life, believe it or not, stopped advertising products like in 1991, yeah, mm-hmm. 92, uh, when you know, when the internet took off pretty strong. They kind of not ninety one. I, I think the Boys Life it's still in two thousand and three was filled with with ads. And you got to remember this ad, uh, the, which I think it ran for forty years. I was Ross was the owner. I, I actually had the privilege of talking to the owner, and I found his phone number a couple of days ago, uh, which I, I said I, I should call him. I, I guess he's still alive. You remember the hovercraft plans that says you can float on yeah, air? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That. Okay, he ran that for years, and he was a scientist, I think, that worked for NASA, or an engineer, uh-huh. and I spoke with him, and I remember him telling me, I said to him, do you make a lot with that ad? I mean, so many years, and he goes, it pays for my car each month. <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, so well, well anyway, I, but I he was really selling paper, and, um, you know, basically, it, it, there was very little cost of merchandise there. Uh, yeah, he was selling the plans. Yeah, so he sold these he plans, the plans, which cost him ten cents to print, and he was selling it for five ninety five or whatever. That's that's not a bad markup. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at all. And then he offered you, he offered you an invention inventor's calendar, which believe it or not, never changed. I have, I actually ordered that six times, the same plans. Oh, really? I found his envelope. Yeah, I found his envelope last week. Uh inside the envelope there is six of those plants he sent me including the one that there was a follow-up that showed you how to build the jump house Mm -hmm. like one of those bubble jump right um so yes i i (laughs) i also spoke with him i was fascinated because i always wanted that as a kid and i gotta tell you the honest truth and it told you that in order to build the device you had to use one of those old electrolux vacuum cleaners like the ones from abbott and costello's time (laughs) Mm -hmm. and believe it or not I still have an original vacuum cleaner. I bought in a flea market with the hope of building that one. Really? I have it here. I have it here, believe it or not. And um, well, anyway, the point is that it was, you know, it was a different era. It was a great era. It was a great time. And one of the things that, you know, the Craig is going to be really exciting 
uh, and I know Lou Weiss is looking for this, is when I'm going to have you and Lou Weiss discuss maybe in the next couple of weeks, uh, of course, in an earlier, you know, time zone, discuss between both of you, why was it that companies like Johnson Smith and stuff, you know, chose children as your main um, uh, customer, you know? Like, what was it that made those companies sell to young kids? I, I know Lou Wise said to me, because they don't question you, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> they just order. <laughs> and back in the days, I guess, you know, you could get away with uh, ripping off the poor little guy, right? But the thing that's so funny is that you have no idea, including a famous guy who wrote um, a, a YouTube video called the, the Dollar 25 Ghost. And if you look it up, his name is Kevin Noltz. I think he works for People Magazine. He's a publisher somewhere. Uh-huh. And he explains the Dollar 25 Ghost, which obviously he bought it later in the early 80s because the ghost went from a dollar to a dollar 25 in Honor uh-huh. House. And he says that the fact that he was so conned, he says, and with a tear in my eye at the end of the video, he says, I said, I would grow up someday and become an advertiser so that I can make someone feel as deliciously conned as I did. <laughs> and you know what, Rick? That's what makes me who I am today. Right. The conning they did to me, the anticipation of things that I made up in my mind I was going to get, and you guys sold to me, but never really delivered. I got to tell you the truth. That's what made me who I am. <laughs> and that's why my love for mail right. right. <laughs> it made me dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you know. Was you know, uh, we 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 appealed to your curiosity. You know, that's really what it was. You um, and 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 uh, you weren't like I said, uh, Eddie Johnny Carson, Henry Ford II. You know, lots of people who later went on to become quite successful. Um, had a, had been Johnson Smith customers. They were smart. Well, they were smart folks, uh, and and their curiosity drove them to wonder. Well, what's this? What's this? Uh, X-ray glasses, you know. Uh, well, you 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 know what's really crazy when you're saying that, Craig. One of my customers, and I, I just uh, wanted to put this in, is the guy for the producer for The Walking Dead. He purchased from me a few of the life-size posters about three years ago mm-hmm. in fact he bought all of them. right and um and i've had a jj abrams the producer movie producer he purchased i think one of the items for me as well uh, but the problem is that i found out because when i called the one person they called me up and they said they want to know what the price you're going to give them and then the lady told me who it was and i was like wow you know that's that's amazing mm-hmm. but it's the same thing you're saying right yeah. well i i always kind of kind of looked at it as almost like a uh, an addictive drug you know you, the, you were curious about the item you received the item and you were kind of disappointed but then you looked at the ads and you're like okay well here's another item i'll try this out <laughs> and then you know you got that item and you're like oh man i'm disappointed and you know the cycle just kept going over and over and you yeah. just kept wanting you... to to buy more and then you know as you got older and and you kind of took that nostalgic look back. You're like, you know what? These items were, you know, pretty cool. <laughs> you know what it is? We didn't know any better, but I didn't even know what it was to get gypped off or, you know, or conned. But you know what? I, I still wanted to order. Now, we only have about five minutes on here, so we got to kind of wrap it up. 
And what I wanted to say, Craig, is uh, first of all, thank you for being part of my life for so many years, my friend. <laughs> uh, you know how I always bother you, and you've helped me through my copywriting. Uh, you've been kind of like a father father figure to me, actually. Um, and I appreciate that, my friend. Yeah. And also, you know, we there's so much that we can tell about the Johnson Smith Company and your history there. And uh, like your wife told me the story about her and you and everybody working in Johnson Smith, including Dominic. And you know what? The whole thing is that down the pike, it's been a great, great 40 years of my life Mm -hmm. that I can, 48 years, 40, actually 50, because I'm 56. So I started when I was six years old buying. So it's been 50 years, let's put that way. And you know what? That's actually what made me and kept me out of trouble as a young kid is constantly wanting to buy things from comic book and chasing the mailman down. Well, I have a, I have a question. Uh, I have still, a question for you, Eddie. When, when are you going to finally grow up? <laughs> I, I think that will never happen. Right. Greg. <laughs> Not at 56. I'm, I'm a, now I find myself being my grandson's play date. Uh, he's got me playing with uh, you know, it's so crazy. He's got me running around with guns like cowboy and Indians. I mean, the things you do for your grandchildren, you know, but anyway, right. it's almost like now we're, we're even more of kids. Cause now we got money, you know, we, we have money so we could even buy more products and toys to play with. So it's, you know, it, we've never grown up. We've just become, you know, right. bigger kids, you know, even more of a kid than we were when we were actually kids. Right. Well, the thing you that when you hear the story of Lou Wise, he's gonna make you laugh the way I tracked him down, and mm-hmm. <laughs> basically hounded the guy until he finally went into business with me. Um, well, it sounds like was, that's what what happened with uh, Craig. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I did keep bothering Craig, and, and you know, he you know, with that, you have big business people like that, and and Craig, you know, being in charge of a huge company like that, you know, he's not gonna care for a little guy calling him up about 1970 products right. but you know over time uh you know he's the greatest person one of the greatest persons in my life today and i'm glad to have him as a friend. all right so anyway well, thank you eddie hello yeah yeah i'm here say the last thing because we got about two minutes to go closing uh statements <laughs> uh uh you know uh, um I got a story for you. Uh, one of our bread and butter items was the um, whoopee cushion. And I think we were probably the first to introduce that in America back in the 20s, if I'm not mistaken, uh, long before I was born. But uh, Alfred Johnson Smith wrote a great line, which was uh, gives the whoopee cushion gives forth uh, uh, greater uh, noises better imagined than described because he didn't want to use the word fart, which in those days was not acceptable, I guess. But um, anyway, in the the 80s, Eddie, um, I don't know if I told you this, but I think I told Joe this. Um, We suddenly couldn't couldn't get a hold of whoopee whoopee cushions. I mean, we, we, we bought hundreds of dozens at a time, and it, you know, it was a bread and butter item for us. Uh, I couldn't get it. Nobody had it. Uh, the, the major importers didn't have it. Uh, and I asked Franco American, uh, Bob Umano. I said, Bob, 
what's going on with how come uh, you don't have whoopee cushions for me? And he said, well, the um, AIDS scare is causing people to use latex in condoms. And so there's no latex available for whoopee cushions. <laughs> and I think we probably had to take it out of our catalog for a couple of seasons. Well, one thing I'm going to tell you really quick, Craig, about that is, yeah, that's why I actually one of the reasons I think uh, SS Adams, uh, when they made their raspberry cushion, they, it was made of vinyl. It wasn't mm-hmm. even latex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, um, we're uh, right now three minutes away from the end. So I'm going to say again, thank you, guys. Uh, Craig, I hope we can again in the future have you on board again. And, and I'd like to have you and Lou Weiss this time talk with each other, which... That will be, I think, fascinating for our listeners. I mean, I was fascinated when you guys carried on a conversation when I had a three-way calling. I wish I would have recorded that. Huh. Um, and uh, having said that, well, listen, uh, Joe, you want to say anything now as we close? Yeah, yeah I just want to say, you know, Craig, thanks again for, for being on the show. There's a lot of great information out there, and, and I'm sure our audience, if they've never heard it before, they're going to be fascinated, and hopefully it, it prompts them to to do you know their own research and get involved with you know mail order novelties and, and it might you know spark a little flame in them to uh get interested in the hobby as well so just want to thank you for being on and um eddie you know thanks again for being on and uh, we'll talk to you guys well later. good night guys all right had a lot of I had a lot of fun thanks guys all right take care guys bye bye now bye <laughs>